What's up, everybody? Thanks again for tuning in to the Way BK podcast. I'm Ben Hall. And I'm Caleb Churchill. We today are going to be actually doing kind of an overview of the book of Luke, and then we're going to land at the end of Luke 18 and beginning of Luke 19 with stories about money. Uh, Luke talks a lot about money and has a lot to say, which is really relevant for us because money is a big part of, or wealth in general is a big part of um, really every human culture. But if you're listening here in the United States, especially our culture uh, is very capitalistic and therefore very money-driven and money-oriented. So uh, we need to think about what Jesus says about how we should view wealth and money. Uh, Just a reminder before we really get going here, if you're listening and you haven't subscribed, it'd be cool if you subscribed and uh, check out some of the other pods that we've done so far. This is new for us, and so actually it would be cool because you could let us know how we can improve, how we could talk about topics that would be more helpful and useful. Um, if you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, you could uh, rate and review the podcast if you're getting that on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you're downloading. Um, let the other people know so that maybe we can make this more useful for others so that we can all walk in the way of Jesus. That's the whole point of this deal, and uh, we hope that this might be a small part of helping you do that, and you would be a friend to us if you'd help us to know how to do that better. Okay, so here's how we're going to start. Uh, Caleb, you and I both made independent lists without showing each other, telling each other what they are, of things from the Gospel of Luke that Jesus has taught about wealth and about money. And we're just going to go through that list, uh, go back and forth, and then we'll come to the stuff here in Luke 18 and 19 and draw out a couple of uh, wrap it up principles from this. So, what's the first thing you got on your uh, your list of lessons about money or wealth from the Gospel of Luke? So the first thing I uh, notice as I've been reading the Gospel of Luke, one thing that Jesus has been stressing a lot uh, is that your wealth is not your own. Um, it's a temporary gift that God has given to you to use for a purpose. Um, and there's many places in the Gospel of Luke where that idea is emphasized. Um, But just one place that I'll share is in Luke chapter 16, when Jesus gives this strange parable uh, about this dishonest manager. Um, And in Luke 16, in verse 1, he says, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were being brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And the idea behind the parable is that uh, in essence, the the rich man would be uh, would would uh, would be God in this parable, and the manager would be the people who he's entrusted his wealth to. Um, and uh, this passage just reminded me that whatever we have from God, we have our t- we have a tendency to think that our wealth, our possessions, our money, I've earned this. This is I've achieved this. I've gotten this on my by my own strength, my own wisdom, my own uh, ability. But actually, this story reminds us that whatever we have, we're just managers. We're just stewards of what God has given us. And we've been entrusted with God, uh, entrusted by God with it to use for his purposes. And so in chapter 16 and verse 2, the manager is called to give an account uh, for, for his management. Um, and that reminds me, you know, if my wealth is not my own, then one day God is going to call me to account and expect me to give an account for how I've used the money, the possessions, the things that God has given me. And um, this parable near the end, he talks about how your wealth needs to be used in such a way uh, that when it fails you, 
um, it will actually re- you'll receive some benefit from that. So it's, uh, this is a temporary gift from God. Mm-hmm. Wealth is not something that's going to last. It's something that is simply temporary that God is giving us to use for His purposes. And if we don't use it well, Jesus says in the parable at the end in verse ten, if we're not faithful with a little bit, um, then uh, then how are we going to be trusted to be faithful with much? Mm-hmm. If you, if you haven't been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Jesus says in chapter sixteen and verse eleven. So. Uh, I need to be faithful with the with the possessions and the wealth and the and the good gifts that God has given me, not seeing them as my own, as I'm entitled to this or I've earned this, but this is a gift from God and it's it's just with me for a temporary time so that I can use for His purposes. That's good. That's a helpful one too, I think, because as I was listening to you talk, I think one thing that does is it makes me. It makes me take my money a lot less seriously because yeah. it's just a gift. Right. Um, it's not like you said. It's not. It's not some indicator of my status as right. a human being. Right. It's not. It's not like you said. It's not really something I've earned. Although, like, if you work hard, then great. That's good. But it's a gift either way. So right. I shouldn't take it that seriously. That's On right. the other hand, since it's a gift from God, I should take it more seriously within the framework of how God wants me to use it. That's right. I mean, a lot of times we're going to do we're going to do both of those wrong. We take our money very seriously in terms of like how much money on my bank account is either my source of security or it gives me a sense of pride. Um, John even speaks about that, right? Like watch out for the pride of possessions or life, you know. Um, And like you said, status. So that's one. We take that way too seriously and we don't take it seriously enough of, hey, this is something God gave me. So I better be using it in ways that would live up to his expectations. That's right. So that's right. That's pretty transformative if we'd realize that, that our wealth is not our own. I think so. I think so. Yeah. What about you? What do you have on the top of the list? Um, so the first one I've got is uh, that poverty is a good thing. Or at least it isn't bad. Um, poverty is a good thing? Right. How so? <laughs> uh, well, so in chapter 6, which I'm trying to... I, I was trying to remember when the first time Jesus actually talked about any kind of like rich or poor or money or whatever. I think it's in chapter 6, unless I'm forgetting one that you pretty, remember. Pretty explicitly in chapter 6. Right. Uh, you know, the whole gospel of Luke seems to be about elevating poor people, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah all kinds of stuff. Like, I mean, most of the first characters are kind of poor people in one shape or form. And Jesus also, when he uh, unrolls the scroll, says that uh, he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor in there chapter 4 and verse 18. Too. Yeah, and that probably is the first one. That's it. Yeah, okay, so so what is the good news to the poor? Well, then when Jesus actually preaches to the poor explicitly in chapter 6 and verse 20, it says he turned his gaze to the disciples and he began to say, Blessed you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the Son of Man. And be glad in that day. Leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. So I mean, right there, I mean, Jesus is pretty straightforward about it. Like, hey, it's good to be poor. Try and preach that in an American church, man. Right, right, right. Or, I mean, yeah, and I mean, I mean you and I have both been to a lot of places that are much more, uh, in terms of GDP and, you know, um, UN rankings and all that kind of stuff. Even in those places, it's hard to believe this. I mean, this is a really mm-hmm. just completely 100% counterintuitive uh, thing. 
Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus says it could be a good thing. I was trying to think, you may have some other stories or teachings in Luke that, that kind of fit in with this idea of poverty being a good thing. But um, in chapter 6, well, the second half, chapter 16, which you just referenced with mm-hmm. another story, there's a story of the rich man and Lazarus. That's right. And Lazarus is so much the good guy, the blessed guy, whatever. He's the only person in one of Jesus' stories like that that he tells where a name is assigned to an individual. And he's, he's described as a beggar who's laying out at a gate. The only friend he has is a dog who's licking the sores on his body. He's like just hoping for the food that's getting thrown out in the dumpster. I mean, that, that and that guy is portrayed as someone who's really special to God yeah. and really important and elevated. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, like that's that's something we got to wrap our brains around is that poverty's good. So I was trying to think about, all right, like this is an explicit teaching of Jesus that not having wealth is actually a really advantageous thing in terms of discipleship. Some of the people that Jesus has been most impressed with their faith in the Gospel of Luke um, are people who were beggars. Right. You know, right. The blind beggar in Luke 18. Sure. Um, you know, and uh, people that had nothing. The uh, woman who spent everything she'd had on getting medical treatment mm-hmm. and nothing healed. And those are people that Jesus highlights and says, look at your faith. And, yeah. look, and tells the people, look at, your, look at this faith, example of what faith is. Yeah. So clearly money doesn't help you uh, impress impress Jesus. Right, uh, right. And, and that, for whatever reason, something about becoming poor can help you to right. be pleasing to Jesus. So I thought of maybe two uh, implications of this, because I'm sitting here, I eat every day. I have a roof over my head. I got shoes on my feet. I got a cell phone that does all kinds of cool stuff. I watch movies. You know, like I'm super rich. Yeah. Um, so maybe that means that I'm in trouble. Uh, well, yeah, actually it does mean I'm in trouble in some way. Not that I'm necessarily in sin because of all that stuff, but it means I'm in danger at least yeah. of slipping into sin. So two things that I think we learn uh from all the scriptures, but specifically from the Gospel of Luke, if it's true that poverty is a good thing, then I need to be constantly, uh, and I'm using this term maybe a little bit extremely, but impoverish myself by being a giver. Mm-hmm. Jesus demonstrates that in himself, that he's always giving. Like he just lives with an open hand. And he even teaches us that we should be people who give. Uh, in Luke 14, he gives instruction for whenever you throw a party or you know whatever, uh, he says in verse 12, is that there? verse 12? Yeah, yeah. He went on to say in verse 12 to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, otherwise they may invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. In other words, you'll be enriched even further. You'll be using your wealth, maybe your social capital in this case, to gain more. Right. He says don't do that, but when you give a reception, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and then you'll be blessed since they do not have means to repay you. So in other words, you'll be emptying out yourself in some way. Again, whether that's monetarily or socially or whatever, you're impoverishing yourself to some degree, not to the fullest degree, obviously, but to some degree. And the promise is you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So I think that's one thing I learned from what Jesus teaches all throughout Scripture. I mean, this is a constant theme is you need to live with an open hand. You need to be a giver and not be just trying to get things for yourself, but be giving. And the second thing I think we learned from this very passage in Luke 14, in verses 12 through 14, is I need to make friends with those who are the poor because they teach me things. Yeah. I remember when I was in Atlanta, one of the most life-changing people uh, 
was this married couple, Herman and Lisa. Herman passed away a few years ago. Lisa's still living. They're blind. And some of the most impactful, wonderful, beautiful people who've taught me how to walk by faith and not by sight because of the lifestyle they live and the way they view God because of their relative quote-unquote poverty of not having eyesight, Mm -hmm. that's helped them to learn things. And my friendship with them and other people like them, um, Chester's another friend, Chris, Marquetta, this whole group in that that, um, blind community there in Atlanta, they changed my life because of what I learned from their poverty. So one, I need to be giving so that I'm kind of lessening how much I have for myself. But two, I need to be making close friends with those who might be seen as quote-unquote poor in the world's eyes really are rich with God and that'll help me to learn the good lessons of poverty as a good thing yeah yeah so. learning to welcome the poor into our lives is a, is a really important part of um, how rich people enter the kingdom of God right yeah so I can learn from them that's right alright cool what's your next one um, alright number two uh, wealth can displace God from the throne of your heart um, this sounds very dark and bad. Yeah, dangerous. Um, but it's nonetheless an important teaching of Jesus. In uh, Luke chapter 12, there's this parable of the rich fool. And there's this guy who tells Jesus um, in chapter 12 and verse 13, um, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus responds, man, who, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And then he says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions Uh, but that scripture reminds me that um, greed can take many forms Um, there are many different forms or manners in which covetousness can express itself and I need to be aware of those because uh, that's a really that can be a really dangerous thing Um, Jesus will say later in chapter 12 um, that you should sell your possessions in verse 33 and give to the needy and provide for yourselves with provide yourselves with money bags that don't grow old with the treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys and then verse 34 he says for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so what Jesus is saying here is essentially that whatever I um, Whatever I treasure in life, whatever I put my value in, whatever I put my focus on, is actually going to get a hold of my heart, and that's what's going to steal my heart. So, if, so, so the more wealth I have, the more things I have in my life that are pulling at my heart, um, to, that are that are pulling my heart away from God. And I think this is the reason. Just practically think about uh, this is this is the reason why Jesus says things that really do shock us, like sell your possessions. Yeah. Um, what, just give them away. Yeah, give, give them away. away. Jesus is Jesus is trying to tell us that actually the way to have a to way to ensure that your heart is fixed on God and that your heart is really set on God is to simplify your life. Stop 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 adding up treasures. Things that are gonna, you know, pulling at your heartstrings and trying to pull it away from God. Learn to learn to live a life of simplicity. And actually, um, if you're a disciple, I mean, this is one of the ways that you show the world that God is really on the throne of your heart. That God is really most important to you. I mean, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you ought not to need all the things that the world has. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in order to satisfy you. The world looks for all kinds of things in this, uh, and chases after all kinds of tre earthly treasures in hopes of finding value and meaning and satisfaction in life. But if God really is our treasure, then I don't have to have all those things. I, I, can, I can let go of things that used to be so valuable to me um, because I found that pearl of great price. I found mm -hmm. the real treasure, which is Jesus. Um, so we got to be on guard about that. We got to be careful and think about. And I need to be examining my own heart to see um, how my wealth might be uh, pulling me or pulling uh, the, my heart away from God. Maybe trying to steal the throne of my heart um, yeah. away from God. Yeah. Well, and I think this is like this passage where it says, "Sell your possessions." This is kind of like a cousin to the spiritual discipline of fasting, right? Fasting right. is I'm going to not eat food or not eat certain kinds of food for a certain period of time um, in order to kind of discipline my mind and my heart and my body with this reminder of man does not live on bread alone, but it's really on God himself and on the right. words that God's given us to guide our lives and fill us and satisfy us and all that. Right. Well, that extends out in a lot of areas of life, whether it be how much time I'm investing on boosting my um, you know, social capital on social media and funny or cool things I'm trying to do there to make more friends or make people like me more or how I'm investing all my time and energy and money and accruing more money and wealth for myself or whatever. All that stuff Jesus here is saying, you can't do that because when whatever you're investing in, like you said, that's the thing that's going to control your heart at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, all right, so my second thing on my list is actually from the same passage uh, in Luke chapter 12. And that is that uh, this is just kind of more pragmatic. And by the way, if you're listening and you're not into Jesus stuff, maybe you're listening with a friend or somebody recommended this to you or whatever. Um, this is just sort of a pragmatic deal that Jesus teaches that is actually pretty obvious and everybody knows it, but that is that wealth is limited. So no matter how much you ever have, one day you're going to lose it, at least when you die. Mm -hmm. Like you referenced the beginning of this um, in chapter 12, starting in verse 15, where someone in the crowd was concerned about a, um, or starting in verse 13, he was concerned about a family dispute over an inheritance. And first Jesus says, like, okay, time out. I'm like, I don't really want to talk about that. But, by the way, there was a guy who had a bunch of stuff, and he thought, you know what, here's what I'll do with all my stuff. Rather than giving to the poor, or rather than finding something good to do with my money, I'll just store up more for myself. And then Jesus tells the story, and it kind of the punchline in verse 20 says, But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is required of you. In other words, you're going to die. And now... Who will own what you prepared? And then Jesus says that to give the moral to the story, so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So money's just limited. Like eventually you're gonna die and then what good is it? Yeah. Um, and if you're thinking about this a lot, you might want to check out the book of Ecclesiastes if you're listening, because that book, there's a really rich guy who is rich in every single way, monetarily, socially. Uh, politically, relationally, relationally, yeah, yeah I mean yeah. everything, yeah. But really, he realized actually, I'm just poor. Like if I don't have God, then I'm poor. It doesn't matter how many women I sleep with. It doesn't matter how many drinks I have. It doesn't matter how much money I have or how many art projects I do or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's just limited. And uh, and I think that's why the verse you read in verse 15: Be on your guard against every form of greed. For uh, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. No matter how much you accrue, it doesn't make up your person. It doesn't fill up the gaps that are in your heart and in your soul. And we know that because you look around at all these famous and rich and powerful people and 
they say it. It's not even like we're just reading them like, oh, they don't look happy or whatever. Um, I mean, you and I watch basketball a lot, and I mean, you listen to these guys, and they're pretty open, like professional basketball players who literally play a game for their, that is their, their life, is they play a game, and they make millions of dollars to do it, and thousands and tens of thousands of people screaming their names, and then after the game, they're like, yeah, I'm not happy. Yeah. Because yeah. this is true. Like, wealth and, and whatever kind of wealth that might be, it's just limited in... Because you're going to die and you're not going to have it one day, so it's not going to carry forward right. anything. And it's limited even while you're alive in what it can accomplish for you. And so it's foolish to put your trust in it, right? I mean, I think that's why when God speaks to this man in, in Luke 12 in verse 20, the first thing he says to him is, fool. Yeah. You fool. Yeah. Um, because... It, we would look at this guy and say, I think we would, from a economical perspective, we'd look at this guy and say, actually, this guy's wise. He's thinking ahead. Because he's thinking ahead mm-hmm. about the future, and he's trying to make sure he's got enough saved up. Um, but God looks at him and says, you fool, because he's not thinking far enough ahead. Yeah. He's not thinking about what's going to happen to me after I die. And in fact, um, going back to what we talked about earlier, this is a guy who has been given extraordinary gifts from God, far more than what he expected. Um, he had, In fact, doesn't he say at the beginning, the, the, the land of a rich man produced plentifully, so much so that he has to say, hey, i got to come up with a new plan because my barn that I built ain't going to fit all this crop. What he should have thought is, oh, wow, God has given me so much more. Who do I know who's in need? Who yeah. could I share this with? If he's giving me this, he's giving it me for a reason so that I could be helpful to other people. Instead, he's only thinking about himself, and so God calls him a fool and says, this night your soul is required of you. Yep, yep. And, I mean, this this goes back to what you read earlier in 1233. Yep. Sell your possessions, give to charity, and make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, or to use the language of this point. Make yourself a money belt, a money bag, a bank account, that is unlimited. That's has right. unlimited potential. That's right. And there's always a growth rate. There's all you're always going to be accruing more interest and all that stuff if you're being rich toward God, which is caring about your fellow man, being interested in God's purposes in the world and not just in yeah. how much can you accrue for yourself because wealth from a worldly perspective is limited. Yeah. But whenever we're investing in our relationship with God and in demonstrating God's kindness and carrying forth his character in our relationships with whatever wealth we have. That's an unlimited, there's unlimited potential with that. Yeah. Which is why, you know, I think it's it's not a coincidence that right after this, Jesus starts telling his disciples, don't be anxious, right? Because um, if, 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 if my uh, trust is in something that's limited and it's eventually going to fail me, it's going to lead to a lot of anxiety about, hey, I got to handle this and I got to deal with this. But, but if my trust is in an unlimited bank account, it's in something in God, a treasure that's in the heavens, then, uh, then I'm going to be able to have peace even when my 401k is not what I wish it was, even when you know I haven't saved in the, uh, as much as I'd like for retirement, even when I have insecurity about you know how are things going to work out financially. So. Yep. Yep. All right, go ahead. You, I, I went first. The first two, you got to give your last. Okay. One. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Then let me let me review our list so far. Uh, first one that you mentioned was, I need to remember my wealth is not my own. It's something from God. It's a gift. I should use it and view it accordingly. Uh, second thing uh, that I pointed out, uh, poverty is a good thing, actually, and it can help us to draw closer to God. Uh, thirdly, we said wealth can displace God from the throne of your heart. And then fourthly, wealth is limited. 
um, both in your own life and then obviously just in its effectiveness while you're alive. Uh, so the last one I have on my list is that what you have is just a tool and it can be for good or for evil. Um, I feel like this is kind of a summary of the stuff we've been talking about so far, but I think it's just important to reshape the way I view wealth. Yeah. So Jesus speaks about wealth as a very dangerous thing in some contexts, right? Well, like in this very chapter we've been talking about, it can be something that consumes you and controls your heart, or it can be something you use to actually further your relationship with God. Like money can actually help you get closer to God. Right. Not in terms of, oh, I got a lot of money, that means God's happy with me, but actually it means I'm giving my money away which is the kind of stuff God would do. God's a giver. And so when I'm giving away my wealth, whatever wealth I might have, that's something that's going to draw me closer to God. And so I need to view my stuff as a tool rather than letting it uh, make me into a tool for its purposes. You know, yeah. like, and, and we've all seen that. We all know people like that who are obsessed with their jobs and they totally neglect their family or their community or their church or whatever. Um, I mean, we see people who just become monsters because of their money not only do they work all the time, but they're also mean and hateful and spiteful or selfish or whatever. Yep. Because of their money, they become controlled by what they have rather than using what they have as a tool. And I think you see that all throughout all the stories that we've been talking about. Yeah. So I took the uh, negative side of that. As okay, yeah. my, my last one is how you use your wealth can ki- can keep you out of the kingdom of God. For sure. Which is exactly what we've seen with these stories already. This rich fool... The soul is required of him in Luke 12 um, because instead of seeing his wealth as an opportunity to share with others, he just stored it up for himself. Uh, in Luke 16, we, re- we referenced the rich man and Lazarus. Same thing. Um, here's a guy who's begging for food, wishes he could just sit underneath the guy's table and eat the crumbs that fall down. And yet, uh, and yet this rich man never thinks, maybe I should share something with this poor guy right outside my gate. Um, and because of that... He gets cut off from Abraham and from Abraham's bosom and from a relationship with Jesus. And even though he wishes he could have it, and he after after he dies, he's he's wishing that he could repent and he could change. Um, even though he's uh, he's he's sorrowful about that, he he actually is is not he's not allowed to enter into the kingdom of God. Um, and then of course that kind of leads us into this story in in Luke eighteen as well. With the uh, with the rich ruler, who uh, who Jesus actually says to him, you know, when he comes and says, "Hey, Jesus, I've kept all these commandments. I've done it all." And then Jesus Jesus looks at him and says, "One thing you lack: sell your possessions and give to the poor." And I think in this story, it's not until this conversation with Jesus that he realizes for the first time in his life that God really wasn't on the throne of his heart. Yeah. That all this time, even though he thought he was keeping all God's commandments, ultimately, it wasn't the Lord whom he loved. It was his money. It was his possessions. It was his wealth. And he didn't know that until God asked him to give it up. And once God asked him to give it up, it kind of exposed who he really was. Yeah. And I think he realized it, at least to some extent. This is maybe me reading too much into it. But in Luke 18 and verse 23, whenever Jesus told him what you just said, one thing you lack, sell you what you possess, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Verse 23, when he had heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Yeah. And I think he he saw, oh man, I'm in trouble. Yeah. And who knows what this is. I mean, right now, he does not take up the cross, and he does not follow Jesus. Who knows? Right. Maybe, hopefully he did in the future. Maybe not, though. Right. Maybe he just stayed consumed with his wealth, and he let it 
control him, and it, like you said, it kept him out of the kingdom. Right. Um, and Jesus' response to him it, after seeing how sad he becomes, what Jesus says is how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Essentially, Jesus is saying, you need to understand something, that with all this wealth comes great responsibility, and if you don't use it as a tool in a way that actually is for good and for God, then it can actually keep you out of God's kingdom. Yeah. Which I think, as we're you know, kind of landing the plane here in the next few minutes, this story teaches an overarching principle that, if you're listening, you already know this, but it's good to just say it explicitly. Uh, wealth can be a tremendous obstacle for discipleship. Mm-hmm. If we're not viewing it in the right way, if we don't utilize it in the right way, uh, then we will be controlled by it, mm-hmm. and we we'll, won't be disciples. We'll be slaves to the things of the world. Yep. And... Uh, you can't be. You can't serve God and money. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, so if we don't work on this every day to evaluate how am I using whatever wealth I have, if I have a home, how am I using that as a disciple? Am I using that just for me, or am I using that for the Lord? The money I have in my bank account, am I using that for me, or am I using that for the Lord? Like what? What am I doing here? Am I giving to anyone else, or am I just keeping it for myself? Am I taking risks? I mean, this is risky stuff. I think that's ultimately why this is why um, giving and giving up our wealth is hard, uh, is because it puts you in a dangerous position. This, this is dangerous. This guy does not know Jesus very well, and yet Jesus says, "Go all the security that you have financially and yep. therefore socially," because really, financial security gives you social security. Right. I mean, that is like that's that's the deal in, right. in all human culture of all time. The more you have, the more safe you are. And Jesus is saying, give all that safety up, give all that security up by following me. Yeah. And that's tough. That's tough. But that's being a disciple, is taking the risk of giving your life to Jesus. And that's not just with wealth. That's with the way I think and the way I talk and the way I deal with my relationships and when I proclaim the gospel and when I resist temptation, all these things. It's all a risk. Yeah. But we're following somebody who said, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to come and die. Yeah. So it shouldn't be a shock to us whenever Jesus says this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's so tough that Peter uh, or or the disciples' response to uh, hearing this was in verse twenty six. Um, then who can be saved? You know, right. is it even possible? Right. And, and Jesus says, "Well, what's impossible with man is possible with God." And that is yeah. apart from the power and strength that God gives us and the grace that He gives us. It's not possible for a rich man to get in unless we put our trust in Him and learn to submit to Him. Yeah. But that does leave me asking, begging the question, and I'm sure people who are listening to this are, are thinking, you know, well, so what do I do? I'm a rich man. I mean, if I'm in the United States of America, I'm, I'm pretty much filthy rich, right? I mean, we are, we are wealthy, wealthy people. So how do, how do we as wealthy people enter the kingdom of God? Well, one thing that we've seen two times now, both in Luke 12 and here in Luke 18, is give away your stuff. Like, make it a practice to give away stuff even if that requires you to sell off some things. Um, so I think that's that's one practical thing is, do I make it a daily discipline to give? Yeah. Um, give in some way, in some manner, whatever that means. Maybe that means I pick up the check the next time, you know, I'm with somebody from church, uh, whether I think they quote unquote need it or not, like am I willing to do that, or some neighbor or some friend or whatever. Um, am I someone who just gives to my neighbors whenever I, I don't know if they need it or not, but I'm just going to give and live with an open hand. I think that's one big thing. Yeah. Just make it a discipline to be 
givers, to be sacrificial, to be, uh, yeah, charitable. Which kind of reminds me of the next story uh, in Luke 19, ultimately. Here's a rich guy. In fact, he's a, he's a chief tax collector. Um, I mean, this is not just a tax collector who all of them were pretty wealthy because they were known for stealing, getting taking advantage of people. Um, and it was just a lucrative business government job. Yeah, it was yeah. a government job. There's yeah. a lot of security that comes with that. So, uh, but this is a, this is the arch tax collector. I mean, this is the the chief tax collector um, who comes to Jesus, and when he sees Jesus and has this encounter with Jesus, and sees that Jesus cares for him, um, his response is, "Behold, Lord, half my half my goods. I'm going to give them." Give them to the poor, and if I defrauded anyone of anything, I would store it fourfold. So here, here's kind of the example of exactly what you're talking about. Um, if I am rich, um, how how should how should how 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 can I enter the kingdom? Well, I've got to learn to value Jesus, to love Jesus far beyond um, my own wealth. And if I do love Jesus far beyond my own wealth, it'll lead me to care less about what happens with it. You know. In terms of, I'll be much more free to share it with other people who are in need. Yeah, and I think that's like on a practical level. I need to examine what what am I oriented toward financially. Everybody has some sort of financial plan, including not having a plan. That's a financial plan too. Where basically you're saying whatever I, my plan is, whatever I feel like spending my money on, that's what I'm gonna spend my money on. Whatever my pleasure would be, that's what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, if I have an orientation toward I'm going to make sure that I can give to others. I mean, this is an amazing financial plan. Literally, 50% of my bank account, I'm going to give it to the poor. Yeah, that's crazy. That's incredible. And like you said, this dude was loaded. This was not... So in between these two stories, there's a story of a blind beggar. Okay, big deal. If he says, I'll give half my possessions, that's a big deal to him, but it's not that much. He doesn't have that much to lose. He's already a beggar. This guy, like you said, was completely secure and safe and strong and all that stuff. And he's saying, I'm going to give away half my wealth. Um, to people that he oriented himself toward giving to others. And I think that is what this story reflects is that that's fundamental to following Jesus is being somebody who is giving and not taking for yourself or not keeping for yourself or protecting yourself, but it's opening yourself up, opening your arms up to other people. Yeah, and this story actually gives us hope, right? I mean, that's right. Uh, this story reminds us <laughs> yeah, that wealthy right. people can actually enter the kingdom if we'll have a heart like a blind beggar. If if I'll come to Jesus desperately seeking him like the like the blind beggar does in, in, in at the end of chapter 18, saying, "Son of David, have mercy on me." Right. Begging for if I see myself that way, and this gets back to the also the parable of the tax of the Pharisee and the tax collector, their prayers um, that we talked about last week, um, and, and earlier in chapter eighteen, where the tax collector comes and he he won't even look towards heaven. He's beating his breast and he says, "God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner." And this is basically this is basically the approach of this tax collector is he's coming to Jesus and he sees in Jesus, um, "I'm so unworthy. I'm so undeserving of this." But Jesus wants to come to my house. Jesus right. wants to invite me into his. Wow, this is this is a relationship that I can't afford to miss out on, and everything else that used to be so valuable to him, so there, there used to be such treasure he had, he was holding on to, was nothing anymore because yeah. he had come to have this heart of a blind beggar to see how desperately he was in need of something more, and he found it in Jesus. 
Um, and of course, that leads, if you have the heart of a blind beggar, even though you're a rich person, then that leads your hands to open up wide so that you're willing to give to others and to receive the poor into your own heart, into your own life, into your own home, um, so that you can share the good things God's given with you. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's a, a good, good place to kind of wrap this up is that the story of Zacchaeus here in Luke 19 is a story of hope yeah. for most everybody who's listening to this and for us as we're sitting here. Right. Is that we're not a lost cause, that the power of God is active even among those who are rich, if we'll let it, if we'll let it. That's right. Zacchaeus was humble enough to climb up a tree and, I mean, kind of in an embarrassing... Humiliated himself. Yeah, kind yeah. of looked like a loser. He's yeah. climbing a tree. You're yeah. a grown man. you got an important government job. You're going to climb a tree to see a... Carpenter, yeah, some rabbi. Like, yeah, yeah, this guy's worth it all. Whatever it takes, I'm going to come to this guy. Yeah. And that's why Jesus looks at him and says, "Hey, get out of that tree. I need to come to your house. Of all the people's houses, I'm going to come to your house." Yeah. Um, and so, if we have that kind of desperate um, pursuit of Jesus, or maybe to put a positive, like the positive version of the rich young ruler story from the end of Luke 18, starting in uh, verse uh, 18 and going through. Uh, well, really, verse like 30, whatever that is, 33, 34. Um, the way that story could have gone well is if he had said, okay, I'll do it. And not only is it this understanding of a desperate need, but it's an absolute dependence upon the Lord and saying, whatever you call on me to do, I'm going to do that. Yeah. He wasn't willing to do that, but that's the lesson from the rich young rulers. That's what it takes is you got to have an absolute dependence on him and not rely on your wealth, not rely on your power, but to rely on him. And Zacchaeus shows us, hey, like, I know I need him. I don't need my money, really. What I need is him. Right. He's the thing I need to anchor my life in. And that's why when he comes down from the tree, Zacchaeus receives him joyfully. Right. It's not a burden for Zacchaeus. Oh, no, I got to give up my money, you know, or yeah. whatever. Jesus didn't even have to ask him to. Like, Jesus never that's said, hey, point. you, you, you got you to give it up if you're going to follow me. No, yeah. he says... Because he sees the value of Jesus, he just joyfully lays it down and says, Lord, I'm, I'm giving this up. I found something far, far greater. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. He too is the son of Abraham. This is, this is a child of God because this is a child who's realized that he is a blind beggar. And he's realized that no matter how much wealth he may have, it's worth nothing compared to a relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And again, I think when we come to see Jesus the way he really is, it helps us with this too because, you know, I could sit here and say, well, why does God keep asking me to give up this? Why does God keep asking me to give up more, give up more, give up more? Well, the truth is we serve a God who's given up far more than anything we've ever given up or will ever give up in this life. I mean, when when uh, the disciples come to Jesus and say, how, how, how can anybody be saved? How, who can be saved if this is true about uh, rich people? Give up so much. Yeah. Jesus' response is basically twofold. One, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be rewarded far greater if you're willing to sacrifice this. But then two, he starts talking about, hey, you know where I'm headed? I'm headed to the cross. I'm headed to die. Um, Paul refer in 2 Corinthians talks about he who was rich became poor yep. so that we through his poverty might become rich. And if we can come to appreciate that, that Jesus has laid down all of his wealth, and he, be, he was the richest person in the universe, became one of the poorest in the universe so that we might become rich. That frees me to, to, from that slavery to my wealth, to, and it frees me to, to, to let go of it because I found something. I found someone who's made me rich in ways that are much more powerful 
than money. They're not gonna. They're that is limited. This is an unlimited wealth that will last forever. That's it. That's it. Well, thanks everybody for listening today. Um, check this stuff out. I mean, read. Uh, obviously, we hit a bunch of passages in the Gospel of Luke, and even refer to some outside of the Gospel. Of Luke. The Bible has tons to say about wealth and how to view it. Yeah. If you have maybe some questions, maybe some of the things we said may have not been very clear, reach out to us. Uh, send us an email on uh, the contact page on our website, thewaybk.com, or you can message us on Facebook. Uh, on our Facebook page, The Way BK. We'd love to talk to you some more and uh, try to share with you some scriptures that are helping us, and maybe you could share some things with us that would help us to understand these things better uh, as we're all trying to follow after the way of Jesus and be what he wants us to be. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.